Welcome back to Inside Fantasy Football. We are going to go over the amazing amount of free agency movement this year. A lot of power is shifting in the NFL over the recent free agency acquisitions around the league and trades. Uh, it's been a very exciting offseason so far. We're only a month and a half in to the offseason and it has been very, very interesting. Um, there is too much to cover in this podcast. We are going to try to cover at least somewhat uh, uh, of the bulk of the action, and I will give you some opinions on what I think this is going to mean in fantasy relevance. Uh, just a uh, one of the most active off seasons this early into the off season I've seen in a while. Uh, and it's good for the league. I think there there were some people that needed to be in different spots uh, that were unhappy. And I think some franchises have made some risky moves. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it has made, at least in the fantasy world, uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement going into next year. Uh, the first one we're going to cover is the biggest one. And uh, at least the biggest movement, in my opinion, was the Raiders... And the Steelers trade, uh, Antonio Brown going to the Raiders for a third and the fifth, uh, heading to the Steelers. Uh, and Antonio Brown should work out fine. I mean, right now, the thing with Antonio Brown is his mental state. I think it is uh, something that people are going to need to pay attention to. I understand he's a hard worker, Hall of Fame talent. Probably the best receiver in the game right now. Uh, I think he's going to make Derek Carr better. Uh, he's going to make the Raiders better. Uh, I don't know how much better. I don't know if he's going to make them playoff better. Uh, but he's definitely going to improve them. It's a step in the right direction for the Raiders, which had a pretty rough year last year. Uh, but in the Steelers, it's very um, risky. But it's something that... From what the way the season ended last year, it's something that needed to happen. Obviously, there was some big differences between uh, the way uh, Mike Tomlin handled Ben Roethlisberger and management handled Roethlisberger compared to Brown. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell had a lot of the same issues. And I know this is a, a, something that a lot of people are split on: is it Antonio and Brown, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell being? Uh, the villains here, possibly. They could be just locker room cancers, uh, not getting along with anybody. Or is it the way Tomlin and management uh, caters to Ben Roethlisberger compared to uh, other players on the team? Obviously, Ben was having trouble with Antonio. Uh, I think Le'Veon was having an issue similar to Antonio Brown's as far as the way uh, certain players were dealt with. Um and the Steelers have a good reputation organizationally, so uh, it's one of those you're just going to have to see how it works out with everybody at their new landing spots. Uh, but I do think it's a step in the right direction for the Raiders. They still have a ton to play with in the draft. Uh, the next few years, they should get better. Um, there's no guarantee that they're going to get better. Uh, nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, but um, anytime you get one of the top receivers in the NFL, you're going to get better. Uh, no matter what the circumstances are, at least in my opinion. So uh, I do think it's going to work out, at least on the Raiders and the Steelers side. 
you got Juju Smith-Schuster ready to come up. They've got a good system there. Ben Roethlisberger is a very good quarterback. He can make a lot of people better. You know, they still got James Conner in the backfield. They're still a scrappy team in a very tough division. So uh, the Steelers are still a lot to see where they land. I think for Antonio, if there was one franchise that could absorb a personality like Antonio Brown, I think it might be the Raiders. I think the Cowboys were there as well, but they weren't vying for Antonio Brown at this time. They've already got Amari Cooper. So I think the Raiders, uh, with the you know getting rid of Amari, they replace him basically a year later with Antonio or a few months later, however you want to look at it. Uh, or a year later going into next year. Uh, so uh, it's a give and take there. We're just going to have to see how that works out. Um, as far as Antonio Brown's fantasy value, I think it's going to stay the same. Uh, even though I understand Derek Carr has not been Roethlisberger, uh, he will be the focal point of that offense. So make of that what you will. I don't think it's going to hurt him, at least in my opinion. He should still be uh, in the top one, two, maybe three receivers taken in the draft. Without a doubt. Uh, another big trade uh, was Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Cleveland Browns. This was a very, very, very interesting trade. couple draft picks. Jabril Peppers uh, head over to the Browns. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, head over, uh, over to the Giants. And I do think that this is going to make... Baker Mayfield, I think, is the best. Uh, he is going to get the best of this trade. I think it's going to make him better. I think it's going to make the franchise uh, better. I think they have uh, an immediate shot at winning that division. That's a very tough division. The Ravens are doing pretty good as well. We're going to get to their moves here pretty soon. Uh, the Browns definitely are a better team with Odell Beckham Jr. He's with his old buddy Jarvis Landry. They've got a really, really good, great, I mean, just super bright future for Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think every, the writing's on the wall for the Cleveland Browns to finally, after almost 20 years of just mediocrity at best, I really think they've got a good chance to go 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five in the tough division. I really, really do. They've made all the right moves. I think they got a good staff there. Uh, to deal with these players, uh, they've got absolutely great receiving core. All of a sudden, went from no receiving core a year or two ago to one of the best receiving cores in football with Jarvis and OBJ uh, and a few other moving parts there in the receiving core. To you know, for Baker to choose from. Then you've got Nick Chubb in the backfield. Uh, I mean, they're loaded on the offensive end. They're still got that same scrappy defense. They made a few moves on defense as well. I think they are getting better um, on both sides of the ball. The, the Cleveland Browns, to me, are the biggest rising star of the offseason so far. Multiple, multiple guys will get a kick. I even think this will help Jarvis Landry's fantasy value. I really do. A lot of people are thinking it's going to go down because of Odell, but I don't think so. I think it's going to go up because... The focal point will be on OBJ. I think Jarvis is going to have a lot of roaming uh, one-on-ones, a lot of cross routes one-on-one where he can really kill it. He does those short crossing routes. That's what he does. Gets the ball, you know, shallow, uh, you know, first or second level, and then he makes his moves. Uh, that is where Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry makes his money. And I honestly think that he is uh, going to 
I wouldn't say skyrocket in fantasy value, but I do think he's going to hover uh, maybe around higher, or at least at the very least stay in that same, uh, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round range. Uh, he was going a little higher than that last year, um, but we'll see how the offseason goes leading up to it and get a good feel for him when the camp starts in the summer, and we'll go from there. But I do think it's not going to hurt Jarvis Landry's fantasy value. It's definitely not going to hurt Nick Chubb's fantasy value. Uh, Duke Johnson should get a little bump as well. I think he's going to get a lot of movement as that third down scat back. Still a back end of the draft guy, but a good guy that's going to be depth. I think this offense is going to be very productive. That's what I'm getting at. Mayfield, OBJ, Jarvis, all these guys are going to be very, very fantasy relevant on a team that is going to score a lot of points. So make of that what you will, uh, but I do think for on the OBJ side, the Cleveland Brown side, they're killing it. I, I think they really are setting themselves up for the next few years. They've got good young talent now. They've got top-level talent. I think that's the main thing um, that is really going to propel them up into the upper echelon of uh, NFL teams. Uh, another one I wanted to get to was Nick Foles going to Jacksonville. Uh, I think he is going to be a perfect fit there. Anybody that's listened to my past podcast knows I'm not a gigantic Nick Foles guy as far as regular season. He's never really done much in the regular season. He had some few good runs there with Philadelphia at the end of seasons. Uh, a full season with Nick Foles is going to be very interesting. It's a little risky, but Jacksonville was a team in a perfect situation to take that chance. They had nothing to lose. Blake Bortles and company was not doing anything for them, any favors at all. Uh, he'll open it up for the running game. Uh, they don't have, I mean, well, we thought last year, I mean, assuming that their defense makes at least somewhat of a comeback, they shouldn't have to score an absolute you know, ton of points. So I'm thinking that if Nick Foles can go in there and just relax, run his offense like he did in Philly, I know that's a different setup, uh, but use that arm strength, be smart. Um, He should make Jacksonville better on the offensive end and open it up for Leonard Fournette. So I do think that the Nick Foles move really is going to work out for Jacksonville. I really, really do. I think it's going to make them a little bit better. Do I think they're going to be at the level of the Colts or the Texans? Uh, That's to be determined. I still have them as third in the division. Titans are getting a little bit better as well, but I still have the Titans on the back end. Uh, I I still have the Colts and the Texans at the top. Probably the Colts as the number one team at this point. But I do think that... Jacksonville is better with Nick Foles. I mean, that's just assuming from what we've seen, what Nick Foles has done the last few years, and where he fits into that offense, I really think it's going to work for him. And it should be, you know, a pretty good marriage. I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to work out next year for Jacksonville. That's going to be one of the storylines I think a lot of people are going to have their eye on. Uh, Seems to be a good fit at this point. We're early in the offseason. We'll see how it goes. Uh, But as of right now, with the parts around him, I think the receiving core could use a little uptick there in Jacksonville to help him out. I think that's one of the bigger question marks. Uh, But we will see. We'll see if Jacksonville can make a few more moves or what happens in the draft coming up and see what they can get around Foles besides Leonard Fournette. And I do think this will help Leonard Fournette. If he can just keep that hamstring intact, Leonard Fournette, would really, if he can get a full at least 12 to 14 games in in a season at health, you know, full health, 
I think he's going to really, you know, reap the rewards of the Nick Foles move. So Fournette will still be a high-end running back next year in any fantasy draft. Absolutely. And I think Nick Foles uh, will, uh, you know, maybe a mid-tier. Quarterbacks aren't going early like they used to. He's definitely not a top-end flight guy, especially there in Jacksonville. But I do think he has somewhat fantasy relevance, even though he's going into a conservative situation. At least it appears that way right now. So uh, Foles with the Eagles... Probably would have had a little bit higher if he would have beat out Wentz for the starting job or whatever. Uh, maybe a little bit higher rating as far as fantasy value. Uh, Jacksonville, I don't know where that puts him on the totem pole. I don't know, even know if he's in the top 12 at this point, but we'll see. Uh, at this point, I wouldn't have him in the top 12 rankings at all. Uh, he'd be top 20, probably right on the back end of a top 20 ranking. But he's still Nick Foles. We'll see. He's got a ton of talent, ton of arm talent. Uh, Deshaun Jackson going back to the Eagles there with Carson Wentz. That should be very interesting. Wentz loves to throw the long ball. He's got a great arm. He loves to roll around. Any quarterback that can buy time like Carson Wentz with his athleticism, move around in the pocket, get outside the pocket, is going to help a burner like Deshaun Jackson. That'll give him time to get deep down the field and make things happen. And I do think that's going to be a very, very interesting matchup. I think Deshaun Jackson will uh, be a sleeper in next year's fantasy drafts. I really do. Uh, Not a big one here, but Case Keenum to the Redskins. Uh, that is a very interesting one. They really have didn't have a lot to choose from there in Washington. They're uh, having trouble with their uh, their budget. Uh, you know, Alex Smith is still a year or two away, if if ever. I mean, that the one of the worst breaks I've ever seen. So, uh, who knows with Alex Smith? There's a slight chance that guy may never play again. That's how bad it was. But even if he does play again, he's at least a year away. Um, with what they have there, I mean, Colt McCoy is not going to beat out Case Keenum. So it's looking like Case Keenum is going to have another shot here. <clears throat> Maybe have a little bit better weapons around him than he did in Denver. Um, he had some pretty good running backs there in Denver. I don't know if he's, you know, Geis. Is Geis going to be, you know, he didn't play last year. He's a top-rated rookie. Maybe Darius Geis will make something happen there in the backfield. Uh, and, you know, Case could use a good running game. So we'll see there in Washington. I wish Case the best. He's one of those guys that, to me, he's just a top-end backup quarterback. But I'm not a hater. I want him to do well. I hope Case Keenum does well. And we'll see what he does there in Washington. I think it's uh, one of the most interesting uh, moves as far as it could be. As far as fantasy relevance, not high on the radar. Case has never been a high-rated fantasy quarterback. But as far as just pure football sense, um, he's he's a quarterback that's going to hopefully not make a ton of mistakes. He may, Darius Geis, if he comes up and he turns into a top-flight running back, uh, this could be a good enough offense to make some kind of waves there in the NFC East, but we'll see. That's another thing. You know, it's so early right now. It's really just about getting these trades, free, agent, free agency acquisitions done. And then once the summer comes leading up to the season, we're going to kind of see how all this lands. But very active this uh, early offseason with all these moves. And it's making it uh, a very interesting march as far as the NFL goes leading up to the draft. Uh, Mark Ingram to the Ravens, along with Earl Thomas. And I know Earl Thomas, well, I play in a few leagues that have IDP. So Earl Thomas, to me, is still fantasy relevant. He'll get you some tackles. He'll get you some interceptions. He's going to a system there in Baltimore. 
uh, that I think fits him perfectly. To me, if there was one other team besides Seattle for Earl Thomas, it would be Baltimore. It just felt right. When I saw that he was going to Baltimore, it's like I had a uh, almost like a deja vu moment. It just felt right. I was like, oh God, I can see Earl Thomas in Baltimore. He looks like a Raven to me. He plays like a Raven. He has the personality of a Baltimore Raven to me. So I think it could be a match made in heaven there with Earl Thomas. Now, I know he's got injuries, getting older. Uh, assuming he has a healthy year, I think Earl Thomas in Baltimore is going to be a very sneaky acquisition. It's going to keep that defense on the right track. He's a leader in the locker room and on the field. He's very intelligent, super athletic, and he's a guy you want roaming back there. And I think in Baltimore, any a lot of people have the same reaction I did. It just feels right. I think that's a good landing spot for Earl Thomas. Mark Ingram, uh, I I do think, and he's one of the bigger question marks here as far as as far as fantasy, uh, fantasy relevance. Uh, I think he's going to get a little bit of an uptick here because I understand they've got Gus the Bus Edwards, they got the Dixon kid. I get all of that. They're going to still utilize them somewhat. You know, most running situate running games for each team in the NFL, most teams in the NFL, is somewhat of a committee. So they'll probably still use Gus from time to time to bang, you know, short yardage situations, use Dixon on the outside. Uh, and Ingram will still be, I think, the guy that's going to get most of the work. I think it's his time. He's 30. He's in, you know, the last few years of his prime. He was not used. I really think he's 30 going on 28 because he wasn't used as much as other running backs with his type of talent in New Orleans. Didn't deal with too many major injuries. I think he's going to fit in with Baltimore perfectly. I really do. I think it's going to be a, an uptick for him. Uh, he's going to get some touchdowns there. He's going to get some good yardage. He's going to get a ton of carries. Assuming he's healthy, I expect, you know, in the high twos, maybe even a 300 carry season. Uh, with If Edwards and Dixon are as active as I think, he may drop down to around the 250 carry mark. Uh, but that's enough for Mark Ingram. That's enough for him to make things happen. That's a 1,000-yard season with a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, and I do think he's going to fit in with their, their system that they have always run there in Baltimore is run the ball. And I understand they've had these last few years with throwing the ball, Flacco and all of that. I get that. But it's basically run the ball, play some good defense. That's kind of the Baltimore motto. And I think Ingram fits in perfectly there. I think it's going to be his year to do something. Um, I don't know how far he's going to shoot up. And I think some drafts are going to have him a little too high because of this. I still think he's probably a fourth rounder. Maybe uh, some people have him creeping up high into the third round. I think that's a little too high, but I still have him as a strong fourth rounder in the NFL. I mean, in the uh, fantasy drafts coming up in the fall, uh, at least at this point. Now we get to the summer and the camps, and we start hearing how these teams are going to approach. We watch a few preseason games, get a feel. Things will change. Like I say, when the season really starts, right now we're in off-season mode, but when the season really starts with my podcast and other podcasts in the NFL in you know, late July, early August, that's when we really start getting the information about how they're going to use these guys. And I do think Ingram's going to get somewhat of an uptick. I would not, it definitely did not hurt him. So for me, for him to, there's no reason for him to drop in any draft. I think the issue is going to be uh, people getting too excited and taking him too high. Because I do still think they are going to use Edwards 
and they're still going to use Dixon at times. Uh, but like I said, uh, he's still going to be the main back there. They didn't sign him for a ton of money, so nothing's guaranteed. It's not like they dumped just a, a ton of money into this guy. I think it was about five years, twenty million, I believe, or four years, twenty million, something around there. Uh, so they didn't, uh, you know, throw the bank at him. So they're not locked into having to ride Ingram because they paid him so much money. They're not in that situation with Ingram. So that's a little bit of a red flag. But I think talent-wise, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's ready to make his own move. I think Kamara kind of stepped in on him, took a little bit of the light from him. Uh, he's been in the shadow of Drew Brees in that whole New Orleans throw, uh, you know, passing game. He fit in as a very, very important piece there in New Orleans. But I think he's ready to be the man. I really do. He's got the talent. He's got good speed. He's got. He's built, uh, you know, like Emmett Smith. He's a short, you know, churning your legs type running back. He can, uh, you know, put a hit on you. He's tough, good around the goal line. Uh, I just think he's going to fit right in. So Ingram, to me, will be a, still at this point is a very strong fourth rounder. I don't think it should move him too far up, or definitely not back any from where he was last year. Because last year he was definitely going into a timeshare with Kamara, and he was still going around the fourth or fifth round. So this year, there's no Kamara there. Gus Edwards and Dixon put together are not even close to Kamara. Kamara's got absolutely, I know it's early in his career, but he's got Hall of Fame type talent. Gus Edwards and Dixon are pieces. Ingram is the back there. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Baltimore uses Mark Ingram. Especially with the way that they're not going to throw the ball a ton with Lamar Jackson. They're going to be a running team. And if you've got to pay attention to Jackson, and you've got other moving parts as far as Edwards and Dixon, Ingram should fit right in and get nice chunks of yardage and some touchdowns. Because Ingram can catch the ball. He's not just a bang it through the tack, you know, in between the tackles type guy. Ingram can do it all. And I don't think he ever really got a chance there in New Orleans to show his full capacity as far as taking on a load. I think he's built for it. I think he's got the talent and pedigree for it. Uh, and I think it's time. This year will be Mark Ingram's assuming health. That's a lot in the NFL to assume health. But assuming health at this time, it's very early. We're going to assume everybody's healthy if we can. He stays healthy. You know, I'm thinking 1,300, 1,400 yard, uh, 1, yard year, 10 touchdowns, you know, some receiving yards, and maybe, you know, touchdown or two receiving. Those may be a little high. But I am very high on Mark Ingram right now. I think he's going to have a very, very good year. Bortles just signed. Uh, we were talking about Foles going to Jacksonville. Bortles just signed with the Rams. That's uh, a very interesting turn of events. He'll be a, I think that's what Bortles is. I think he could be a top flight backup. Similar to like Case Keenum. Not a guy, and I still think, eh, I know it's not popular, but Nick Foles a little bit. A guy that it can step in when needed and maybe ride it out for a game or two in crunch situations if your quarterback gets hurt. But not a guy that's going to lead you for an entire season and into the playoffs. I think that's what Bortles is. Case Keenum's of that same ilk. Good guys that deserve to be in the NFL that are just not guys that are going to lead you to the promised land. And that's okay. There is a place for good backup quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a very important position. 
Because if a quarterback goes down, you've got to have somebody that can step in, that knows the game, that isn't going to screw things up. And I know the first thing people are going to think of is Bortles was a turnover machine, and he was all over the place in Jacksonville. Well, he had a ton of pressure there. They were expecting him to be the guy to lead them somewhere. He felt that pressure. Then you take that pressure off. You let him hold a clipboard. Something happens to Jared Goff for a couple games. Uh, he could step in week nine and get you to week 12 until Goff gets back. I think Bortles could fit right in in that situation. And in that type of offense, McVay's type of offense, I think Bortles might, that open style like that, it may be a very uh, interesting situation for Blake Bortles. I think it could help him in the end. Uh, I think it could help him get better. And who knows? He could be one of those guys that goes to the Rams for a few years, gets better, gets uh, you know coached up a little bit differently. And maybe in a few years, he'll get another starting chance uh, as a better, well-rounded quarterback. I don't think he was coached very well in Jacksonville. I don't think that situation fit him at all. They had nobody that could throw the ball. They didn't have a good receiving core. And he did make a lot of bad decisions. You get with McVay and them. This is the reason why these new young coaches are changing the game. What Kingsbury might do with Murray if they take him first pick, which is seems to be the unanimous assumption here, is that the Cardinals are going to take Kyler Murray with the first pick. And I think Kingsbury could work with Murray and whatever quarterback comes around because I think Kingsbury is going to be of the same ilk with, as McVay. Not as probably as uh, successful as McVay has been with the Rams. But Kingsbury's of that same look. I think he's going to come in wanting to throw the ball around a little bit, open it up. And uh, Bortles, I think, will fit better in that. The Jacksonville system is a little bit archaic. It's a little bit old school. And I don't think that was uh, where Bortles really should have been. So I do think Bortles uh, going to get the clipboard job in Los Angeles may be a great thing for his career. Um, I think he needs a year or two of just working on his game, holding a clipboard, seeing it from another angle, and uh, especially from a team that is going to be successful as the Rams probably are going to be. Just to be around that and feeding off that, I do think it's going to help Blake Bortles. I really, really do. And another issue that has come up with the Rams as well is Todd Gurley's knee has arthritis and it seems like it's going to be a problem. And it's it's a really kind of a sad day on that front because Gurley is such a talent. When he is top flight and healthy, one of the best backs in the league, hands down, if not the best back in the league. But it's looking like, uh, you know, get a degenerative knee issue, arthritis. Uh, I, the Rams really are in an interesting situation as far as that front. Um, it's not going to get better from what everything I've been reading. So... Todd Gurley, as far as fantasy relevance next year, I'm very, very curious to see how people are going to react. Uh, I'm sure they're going to play off what they hear going into camp as well as I will. Um, Most people will. Um, But going into camp next year, late July, those first few weeks of camp, I'm very curious to see how Gurley shows up, what we hear about the knee, how the team plans to approach using Gurley. Are they just going to pull back on the amount of usage? Is he going to always be that guy we saw at the end of the year and in the playoffs where he just wasn't the same Todd Gurley? Is that the new Todd Gurley now? I don't know. I I really don't know. Uh, I wish I had an answer. And anybody that says they do have an answer right now is a liar because nobody has an answer there. Is it something that, that 
you know, comes and goes and he has little spurts of where he can play like he did at the beginning of last year. If they do, then the Rams got to figure out a usage, uh, a plan with Gurley. And it's possible, I guess, but man, as far as fantasy, it's going to drive some people crazy. Be similar to why I can't stand playing fantasy basketball because you never know if these guys are going to play a full game. And I think Todd Gurley, as far as fantasy relevance, game by game situations, uh, is the neat thing always going to be hovering. So if you're in a keeper league, uh, I don't have him in any of my keeper leagues, uh, but if I did, I would be contemplating very much on possibly either moving him in a trade or, uh, you know, figuring a way out of the girly situation. Cause I personally don't have a ton of confidence at this point, but like I said earlier, if we go into late July into camp and they're like, Hey man, yeah, he's got arthritis, but he's playing through. He looks great. Maybe things, this is just something he's going to have to deal with from time to time. Maybe he took a weird hit on that knee last year and it just wasn't the same. Uh, and it needed time to heal. Uh, that's very possible. It happens. Um, but all reports right now, this arthritis thing is a huge, huge red flag. So for me, Todd, Gar- Todd Gurley going into next fantasy football draft season needs to be a big red flag right now. Uh, I don't uh, really know what else to say on the Gurley front from that. That's probably what I've got. I know we've only done a few podcasts since the Super Bowl. I would say out of all the emails that I've gotten and interactions with my fantasy life guys that I've gotten, it has been a lot of Todd Gurley talk. You know, outside of the OB, you know, the trades and free agency has totally taken over everything in the last few weeks, as it should. Uh, but Todd Gurley talk as far as how do I, you know, especially the dynasty guys, uh, it's a very worrisome very, very worrisome situation. Um, the Bills got a lot better. They got Cole Beasley. They got John Brown uh, to help the kid there at quarterback in Buffalo. Uh, that's a very curious uh, situation there in Buffalo. Which direction are they going in? They were very scrappy last year. They got a very scrappy defense. If they can figure anything out on offense... Get some kind of passing game going with the kid that has the huge arm. I mean, they've got a good young quarterback there. Get some kind of running game going. It's possible they'll make some hey, it's not like the East is the you know, I understand that the Patriots are there. I get that. Uh, but outside the Patriots, that division is pretty weak. So it well, we're that's leading to the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this podcast up. And that is the New York Jets. They are going to be interesting. If they can wrangle Le'Veon Bell and push, continue to push Sam Darnold forward, this offense is going to be very, very interesting. And like I was saying with Buffalo, the AFC East is not very tough. Le'Veon Bell uh, has a chance, assuming he goes in 100%, positive, healthy, lighter. I heard he's gained some weight uh, recently, but he's these are top flight athletes. He'll, he could still show up in tip-top perfect shape in summer. Uh, so assuming all of that, the Jets are going to be a very, very interesting team. Very, very interesting. Sam Darnold's got a ton of talent. If he can rely on Le'Veon Bell, at least... I mean, look at it this way. Your running game's automatically got a huge upgrade. One of the top running backs in the game. 
Then if teams key on that running game, Le'Veon Bell can catch the ball like one of the top receivers. I hate to, I know I hear that thrown around a lot. Maybe not a top receiver, but he's definitely, definitely one of the top running backs as far as hands. So any issues you've got, there's two things for Darnold. Lean on the running game. And if Le'Veon can get into the flats or whatever, if they're keying, you know, eight in the box or whatever, or Darnold's getting some pressure, just like Roethlisberger used for the last few years, you hit Bell in these short intermediate routes or a little dump offs on the outside. And that is a, you know, it goes from a busted play or a pressure play to, you know, 8, 10, 15 yards down the field because Le'Veon Bell is that good. So to me, he's one of those players that immediately puts the Jets in the playoff contention category. And I understand there's a defensive side to worry about and they've got some line issues, this and that. I understand all of that. But there's certain players, these top-end superstar players, like OBJ in Cleveland, Antonio Brown in Oakland, Possibly Foles in Jacksonville. I'm still kind of on the fence about that. I'm not as high on Foles as everybody. I'm trying to work on that. But these players will make their franchises better immediately. They will. So uh, it is uh, a very interesting time right now in the NFL. I don't know how, if I've, I would say ever, I don't know about ever, but you know, things have changed as far as the way the offseason is in the NFL the last, I'd say, decade or two. But I don't know if I've ever seen power shift quite like I've seen in the last few weeks in the NFL as far as free agency and trades. There's been a lot of power shifting going on. Players moving around. Big name players moving around. Flacco in Denver. Is that going to work? I'm curious. I don't think so. But Flacco does have the arm. He is Joe Flacco. He's a decent player. I know he gets a lot of flat. No no pun intended. I know he gets a lot of... uh, uh, you know, stuff thrown at him as far as, you know, stuff he does not do well. But the things he does do well, if he gets a team that can play like the Ravens did a few years ago, that play to his style. He's got two good running backs there, a decent receiving core, young receiving core. Flacco has a chance to do pretty well in Denver, I think. I'm going to have to wait and see like everybody else, see what comes up in the summer. But I do think that Joe Flacco has a chance to get better. Very curious to see Uh, how they use him there. One thing is for sure. Joe Flacco is an upgrade upgrade from Case Keenum. I mean, it's not even close. Of course it is. So with that upgrade, those two good young running backs, young receiving core, Sanders is still there, scrappy defense. Kareem Jackson just went over there at cornerback from the Texans, moved over to Denver. They signed him. Uh, that So they've got still got a good, strong defense there. Denver could be a little bit of a sleeper. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the Chiefs, maybe even the Chargers. So there's a possibility for a little wild card situation there in Denver. They just happen to be in a pretty tough division because the Chargers are not getting any worse. Chargers are still going to be a strong team. Chiefs have a chance for a Super Bowl this year again. So... Um, you know, not the greatest situation division-wise, but I do think they've put themselves in a situation to be very, very compatible. Uh, you know, uh, they're going to be competing with uh, that second tier of teams in the AFC trying to get into the playoffs. 
And I think that's kind of what you're aiming with Flacco. You're not going to get anybody that's going to be, you know, an absolute game changer and make the Broncos a Super Bowl contender. That's just not where they're at right now. But Flacco could make them, you know, a strong nine win, 10 win, uh, 10 is, God, I, I can't see that. A strong nine win team. Maybe try to catch the back end of a wild card, possibly. AFC is so stacked right now. I just I don't even know if that's possible at nine wins, but you never know. The NFL, there's so many injuries and moving parts. You, it's such a hard sport to predict, the NFL. It really, really is. And I know that sounds hypocritical because the Patriots have been dominating for 20 years. And it's like I always say, outside of the New England Patriots, the NFL is very hard to predict. And uh, we will see how that works out for the Broncos. Very, very curious. The Titans signed Tannehill as their backup quarterback. Uh, Very good move because Mariota has trouble staying on the field. And Tannehill, when he's healthy, when he's totally healthy, at least there towards the end before he had the bad knee injury, he was kind of on a roll. People keep forgetting about that. Tannehill, before he got hurt in Miami, was really putting up some decent numbers. He was very, very fantasy relevant for a few weeks there. It's not like this kid doesn't know how to play. And he's another one that fits in the same category that I've been saying in this podcast. Uh, It seems to be a theme here. I didn't really plan on this, but Tannehill could be that guy that needs to hold a clipboard, a good backup that could hold you for a few games, if not finish off a season for you, kind of like the Foles did with, you know, Foles did with Philly, getting them to the Super Bowl and winning it. Tannehill, to me, kind of is at that same milk. A guy that I don't know if he can go 1 through 16 and and guide you through the playoffs. But he could be a guy that gets better, kind of watching from the outside, knows the systems, got good athleticism, he's smart. And then Mariota goes down like he usually does in week 9. Tannehill steps in, he'll ride it out week 10 through the playoffs or trying to get him to a playoff push. Very possible. I can see that happening. And Tannehill seems to be that kind of kid that I think could actually get better from being demoted for a year or two, hold that clipboard, learn the game from a different angle, work those reps, let the pressure kind of subside a little bit, just get into a system, learn it, and be that guy that can step up and rise up when needed. And that's why I say it's not a put down saying that these guys are top flight or just very good backups like Case Keenum. This guy is needed in the NFL. Even Colt McCoy, not a guy that's going to guide you through a season, but a good backup that is needed for a game or two. Blake Bortles, I think, will be that guy. There are guys that have had many of guys throughout the NFL that have had entire careers being backup quarterbacks that step in and do well. And I do think Tannehill in Tennessee has a very good chance of being that guy. Look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's on his eighth team. He is going to take snaps from the, an eighth different, the eighth different team in his career. No other quarterback has ever done that. He has made a career being that guy that I think these guys have been mentioning, the Keenums, the Tannehills, the Bortles. I think Fitzpatrick is a perfect example of a guy that you put him in the right situation, take the pressure off him when needed. He can step up and win you a few ball games and maybe guide you through a situation, maybe a playoff run if you're in a lucky spot. Uh, why not? He Right now he's in Miami. They're giving him the keys to the car. 
this is kind of the opposite of what I've been saying, you know, the whole conversation we're having right now. Uh, but I don't know about Fitzpatrick as far as from game one leading you through a season. It's a little iffy. I think he's more of a guy that needs to step in type thing. But the Dolphins are in a situation where they're kind of revamping. Uh, they are basically in a rebuilding mode. And I think there is no better quarterback for a rebuild situation like they are in in Miami than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because he's not taking anything to heart. You can sit him. You can play him. You can do whatever. He's an easygoing guy. That's why he's played for eight different teams. He's super smart. He's an Ivy League kid. Ivy League, I guess we can't call him a kid anymore. He's getting older. Uh, but, you know, he's an Ivy League guy. Very smart. He's a perfect guy. I call him situational quarterbacks. Uh, there's been a million of them in the NFL throughout the NFL's history. And Fitzpatrick is that guy. I think Tannehill, Keenum, and Bortles could also be very similar. So for Miami, it's very interesting. I think Fitzpatrick is scrappy. I think they're setting to get that uh, defensive coach from uh, the Patriots uh, as their head coach. And I think he's going to do well there. Usually, uh, from everything I've read about him and the way their system was there in New England, I think he's going to bring... Um, some structure there and seems like they're getting a pretty good staff. They're changing things that they needed to in Miami. These last few years have been a disaster. They overpaid for a lot of players. Uh, I do think that uh, Miami this year may be tough, but I do think they're getting their budget fixed. Fitzpatrick is a perfect guy to keep you somewhat relevant, get you six, seven wins and keep the franchise afloat until they make that move in the draft, go get that number one quarterback or whatever in the next year or two, maybe some trades, whatever, however they can work that out. So Miami finally is breaking away from the, the Tannehill era. era. Uh, Tenenbaum, I think, was the GM. Just It was a disaster. I mean, an absolute disaster there the last few years as far as the way they dealt with player development, uh, the way they dealt with their budget. So Miami is heading somewhat in the right direction. Uh, I do think they're going to be in the basement there. I think Buffalo has taken a step up. Uh, I do think Miami will probably finish last in the East. And um, as far as fantasy relevance, I mean, Fitzpatrick had a pretty good run there in Tampa Bay, but that was that situation. I don't know if he's going to come to Miami and sling the ball all around the yard. Uh, You never know. They may be in a situation where that's their only route. Devontae Parker did re-sign with them. Um, So it's a possibility that he may have some options there. Uh, but uh, interesting move by Miami, and we'll see where it heads. And I guess that's going to wrap it up, guys. I just wanted to go over uh, the free agency trade movement the last few weeks. There's just so much still to go. We've got the draft coming up. I wanted to do some coverage on that. We just There's just so much news in the NFL right now. We could not get to it all. Uh, we want to continue to cover all the movement around the NFL in the next podcast. Uh, we're going to definitely be talking about Kyler Murray and company as far as guys getting drafted at the draft uh, coming up. Uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, talk as far as draft day situations. Uh, we will cover all of that for you on the next podcast. And I appreciate you guys uh, that are out there that have been keeping in touch with me and sending me emails. I understand we have spread it out quite a bit here in the offseason. I have uh, done a lot uh, of work on my baseball podcast. Uh, That is called Ahead of the Curve. So if you are a baseball fan as well, feel free to check out 
ahead of the curve. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, any new listeners out there, first of all, we're on all the formats, Spotify, iTunes, uh, whatever you need. As far as getting to the podcast, uh, we're pretty much on all uh, outlets there. Uh, you can uh, check out, uh, we've got a Twitter uh, account that is up and moving. That is uh, uh, pretty interesting. Twitter is a different ball game. I mean, there's just a lot of personalities on there. Um, you can get there through Twitter. You can check us out. Uh, get in touch with me through my email at uh, Todd's Fantasy Picks at gmail.com. That's Todd's Fantasy Picks at gmail.com. Once again, we are trying to get the website up and going. We have changed. Uh, some things there on the front as far as the website. We're trying to revamp it going into next year. So we don't have the website up right now. Uh, we are trying to get it ready by the time the draft is uh, coming. And by the time the draft arrives, uh, we want the website to be up at that time. Uh, so feel free to get in touch with me. Todd, any questions, email me, and I'll do my best to answer your questions. And we will continue to cover uh, what is requested of us through the emails, and I will try to cover just general news information leading up to the draft. Until next time, guys, I'm out.